0: My name is Paul Garcia, and I'm your host here on the Spurs Cast. Today I'll be joined by Project Spurs writer Steven Anderson. In this episode, Steven and I will discuss the Spurs' final four games before All Star Break, trade chatter involving their veteran players, and the bench depth Lucas Simonich, Trey Lyles, and Kita Bates' job have provided with multiple rotation players being out. Let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. Steven, how are you doing?
1: Hey, Paul, man, how's it going, man? I'm doing well, surviving this corona season, and uh, yeah, enjoying this Spurs season so far. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well as well. You know, just buckle down,
0: just kind of, you know, like, like you mentioned, trying to trying to avoid the virus and everything, hopefully getting back to normal soon with all the, the vaccinations going out and everything like that, mm-hmm. and then also the Spurs, you know, about to start up here the second, the second half of the season. So let's go ahead and jump right into this episode. Um, you know where I left off last last week. At, at that point, the Spurs had only played one game since uh, you know returning from quarantine against the Oklahoma City Thunder. I had discussed with Michael DeLeon. So now they've actually played four games this past week. Um, they went two and two in these games. So let's do a quick little summary of of how, of how they performed since I recorded last Spurs cast. So they got a three point win against the Pelicans um, uh, uh, recently this past week, or or it was maybe it was last week. Anyway, uh, DeMar DeRozan made his return to, to the team, so he was he participated in that game. Then uh, they had a they had a loss by eleven, but an over to the Brooklyn Nets where it looked like the Spurs were out of it uh, they, make, they make a quick little comeback there like in the final minute and DeJounte Murray sends them to overtime but the Nets pulled away uh, there in, in the overtime period and they won by 11 uh, Kyrie Irving and James Harden both played in that game Kevin Durant was out and of course we know the Spurs have been without multiple rotation players uh, since returning from quarantine uh, then they had their biggest win of the season, um, you know, the following out of the second out of back to back. They, they beat the New York Knicks by 26 points, and that was important because, like I mentioned, it's their first win on the second out of back to back. And also, the Knicks came in with a, with a really good reputation here. They were the second best, or as of right now, they're the second best defensive team, as you and I record this on your Saturday. So, so that was a big win for the Spurs. And then, and then their last game before the All-Star break was a loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder by five. Um, you know, this one was, this one, you know, There's two ways to look at it because this is one of those games where, like, it look this could be one of those games that they look back on if they're really struggling to get into the playoffs or if you know a certain seed uh, goes goes to another team because because of this loss. And this and the reason why I say that is because this is a game where the Spurs were favored by seven. The the Thunder were missing multiple players. Uh, They led by 14, San Antonio, so they had a pretty comfortable lead there. They just couldn't push it forward. And then of course OKC was actually on the second out of a back to back. And we know that this was one of those uncharacteristic type losses because the Spurs Mm -hmm. had 19 turnovers. And you know immediately when, when the game was over. Felt like wow that they really gave that one away. This could be a game that haunts them. But then when you go back and you look at and you listen to Greg Popovich's um, you know post game quotes, the, um, he actually says you know he, he he felt like they were kind of do that kind of performance. The fact that you know they're playing with multiple multiple players out, they just got back from 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 out of quarantine, and you know and it was a it was a tough stretch for them in that week. So, so he kind of felt like this is an uncharacteristic type of loss for them, but it, it, it can happen, you know. So 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 listening to Coach Pop, there was more optimism in his post game comments. So overall, Steven you know at the pause of the season, the Spurs are eighteen um you know out west what they uh, where they are placed seventh out west in the standings they are 20th on offense and ninth on defense and then the last uh, note uh, of this past week was that Keldon johnson was named to the 2021 um rising stars uh roster uh, even though there's not going to be an actual game played so um go ahead and take this you know this conversation wherever you want uh, whatever uh, topic that you want to you want to touch on
1: all right well i'm gonna go just touch on these four games first of all i, I agree i think they should have been three and one in these four games um you know, the win against the Pelicans, DeMar, um, obviously, as you noted, he did return in that game after, obviously, not only the guys being out because of the COVID protocol, but also his father passing away. And, um obviously, Pop gave him a game to – or and, obviously, that time to be with his family, understandably so. And he came back and he played amazing. I mean – Every after everything that he went through he played very very well the Spurs got the win over the Pelicans as you noted that next game against Brooklyn um, I give them that loss um, I I honestly did not think it was going to be as close as it was I mean and it wasn't if you look at the final score I mean mm-hmm. yeah they they lost by 11 in overtime but they were down in that game uh, by double digits in, in the second half I should note in, in, in double digits and when you got James Harden DeAndre Jordan Kyrie Irving on one team And you look at a Spurs team there's a very young team. It probably should have never been that close looking on paper. But I think this game against Brooklyn, or that game against Brooklyn, kind of showed what this team is really made of. And I think we knew that the whole season. Like we knew, Paul, um, we talked about it multiple times on on Twitter. I've said on Twitter, I've said on this podcast as well, that this team is not the same team from last year. This is a team that is a lot younger. Um, They're more determined. They're more aggressive. They're not as... "Quote unquote," scared to take the big shots anymore, and we saw that against Brooklyn. I mean, they, they they came back, they rallied, they used a 10-0 run in that in that final, I think two and a half three minutes, to come back. And force overtime. Obviously, they ran out of gas in overtime and they lost, but it just shows the kind of heart this team has. I'm not really going to touch on the Knicks too much. Um, but I mean, as you noted, it was a second of a, a night of a back to back, their biggest margin, uh, win by margin of the season. And then against New York, which surprisingly has the second best defense in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that overall, after losing the way they lost to, the Nets the night before, I kind of just feel like, okay, well, like, going against the, the Knicks now, you know, they kind of know what they did wrong the night before and did not make those same mistakes on the, the following night. Now, going to that loss against the Thunder... Um, I agree with you. I think that if the Spurs somehow manage to miss the playoffs, and looking at the second half of the season, it is very possible they could miss the playoffs because they are stacked with games, I believe. You can, you can ch- uh, check me on this. I think it's 40 games in like 65 days or something like that. Uh, yeah, 40 games in 68 days. Mm-hmm. 68 days, okay. Well, it's a, a very heavy schedule. They don't They don't have any multiple days off. They have back to back They have games every other day. Pop did mention that, you know, uh, after the game against the Thunder, as you noted, that it's good. Th- these games are going. He expected this to happen. You know the guys are tired. You know this was probably going to happen. 19 turnovers, very uncharacteristic for this Spurs team. They mm-hmm. were favored by seven, as you noted. They did lead by 14 points, and OKC came back to win the game. Um, this will be one of those games I look back on if they miss the playoffs and be like, "Well, what if that didn't happen?" If, especially if they miss it by a game or two and look back and like, what if they would have won this game or that game? But, Paul, this is what worries me going into the second half of the season. Is, uh, okay, let me just note, and you've noted this as well, that they did not have all their players. Derek White was not available. You know, uh, Devin Vassell, Rudy Gay, they were not there mm-hmm. because of COVID protocol. But when they do return, I'm going to wonder, can this team handle this heavy schedule in the back half of the season? Patty Mills said after the game on Thursday, or, yeah, Thursday, um, you know, it was a brutal schedule this first half of the season. And to quote him now, quote, it's going to get much, much worse in the second half of the season. Yeah. And they, mm-hmm. they know what's coming. My question is, can... And I'm not talking about like DeMar, Lamarcus, Patty. I'm talking about the young players who have never been playing this much who have never really gone through a schedule like this can they handle it and i think that's going to be the biggest thing of the season going in the second half can our young core or can the spurs young core really handle this grueling schedule that they're about to go through
0: Yeah, no, no, for sure, and actually, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that they could have pretty much gone three and one. I actually, I could actually, we could we could actually both argue they could have gone four and zero as well because even that that Thunder game was, you know, in the final minute, the Spurs were still down by just two possessions. And I I have a stat here where I track throughout the season if if it's a if it's a two possession game within the final minute, I I I track whether the Spurs could have won or lost, you know. And so at best, you know, let's just say they won all their close games, they could be 26 and six, you know, and at worst Mm -hmm. eight and 24. So so you're right. I mean, they the the good thing is that this team in all these four games, despite missing, you know, a multiple rotation players like you mentioned there they they 're always competitive they 're right in the thick in the thick of these games and so yeah i think that 's a really good question you, you, you asked right now is um you know ha- how well did the the younger players um you know you know, um, performing the second half of the season with this grueling schedule, because like Patty said, you know, it's the fact that there's so many games that the competition and some of these games are going to get a lot tougher for them. Um, some of the teams are going to face uh the, the, the fact that there's not that many days off in between. There's actually no consecutive um, off days. Like you don't get two days off in a mm-hmm. row, and so that's hard part of it. But then the other part is just that mental factor. What Patty mentioned was the fact that you're always worrying about. Oh, wait a minute, is somebody going to catch COVID? And then you know, or are you going mm-hmm. to you know you're going to are you going to get placed in health and pre- safety protocols, which just throws off your rhythm. You know, gets different players. Out of the rotation you know you don't know who's coming back and so i think that's the biggest factor it's like a, it's like a mental hurdle as well as a physical hurdle um in terms of this second half of the season so yeah i think that's a really good question and and when we get to our last topic today i think that there's some, some optimism there because of the players that we're going to discuss uh who might help out in that department mm-hmm. which is some of those younger players at the end of the bench uh all right, Stephen, so, so yeah, So, and then also, like, we, we both mentioned, you know, Keldon Johnson, I think that, was, that wasn't, like, yeah. too, too surprising, just because Keldon's had a great year for the Spurs, you know, he's, he's been a really good player for them, and unfortunately, you know, we couldn't watch him in any type of game, because there was no game, just, you know, just because the NBA was being
1: cautious. <laughs> just, just to touch on that real fast, um, Go ahead. you know, obviously, Keldon has played amazing this this season, um, we, I think all of us knew, like, all of us, like, who, the, all of us writers, everyone in the media, I think we knew Kelden was something special in the bubble, But I don't think any of us thought that he would be this type of player this quickly for the Spurs. And that Rising Stars uh, game, well, not game, but the Rising Stars team honor is well-deserved. I will say it is very unfortunate that COVID is still going on at the moment and we don't get to see him play because I would love to see him play against some of the best second-year players in the NBA right now.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Getting up and down the court with all mm-hmm. with his ability to run the break, I mean that would have been a lot of fun. So yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, all right, so let's go into our uh, going right into our second topic here, and this is um, some some trade um, chatter, some trade rumors. Um, on Thursday, Sham Sharani of the Athletic reported uh, this quote in his story. He put uh, he wrote. The Spurs are receiving calls on their veteran players who are pending free agents: Lamarcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan, Rudy Gay, Trey Lyles, and Patty Mills, and are listening to inquiries. Sources said. So this is not, you know, too too surprising. This is something that was reported before the season even began. The fact that mm-hmm. the Spurs were going to be taking calls on their veteran players because why? I mean, it makes sense. We knew they were going into a, um a more not not a rebuilding year, but more of a route of development where they wanted to give a lot of their younger players like Kelden uh, Dejounte, Derek White, um you know all those players et cetera uh, some minutes even Devin Vassell. We and see what's going to happen, but he ended up getting becoming a rotation player. So we know that they were going to give these younger players some minutes, and now you know this really hasn't changed. It's not. It's not showing. Um, Colin Reed did a did a, did a mini like um, podcast on this series about th- this uh, this rumor, and he did. And he, he, he pretty much um, you know summarized it very well. What he said, you know, that the Spurs aren't the ones actively making the calls. You know, they're not trying to get to get rid of these players. They're not calling these teams. They're just saying he's just saying that you know Brian Wright, that the GM is taking phone calls here, is is what we assume here from this reporting that, that you know teams are calling the Spurs and say, hey, what you know, what what would you take for maybe one of these one of these veteran players, because they know they're in the last year of their deal. And some of these players, you know, it may, maybe a year or two more, maybe they could extend with the Spurs, but right now, you know, all of them could, we could just see very, very realistically, all these players end up leaving uh, in this off season. So let's first talk about the salaries and where they stand. So, um, you know, Demar Derozan we know is, is the highest paid of, the, of these players at twenty seven point seven million. Then you have LaMarcus Aldridge right behind him at twenty four million. And it's important to keep in mind when you when you discuss trade rumors with the Spurs is that Aldridge has a fifteen percent trade kicker, so it's that that increases the salary a little bit more when you want to uh, move him to another team. Uh, Rudy Gay's next at fourteen point five million. Patty Mills at thirteen and a half million, and then Trey Lyles at five and a half million. So, um, you know, we're not going to get into any kind of like who's calling or anything like that. I don't, I don't want to go into those kind of conversations. There's been, there's been no reporting on that. Uh, right. but I do want to ask you, Steven, You know, now that we know exactly where the Spurs are, you know, they're seventh out west. They're, they're, they're a very competitive team. We know that the, the, the veterans that they really rely on are, um, you know, DeRozan for sure. He's a, he's, he's incremental for their team. He could, he pretty, pretty much could have been an all star this year. It's just that he kept getting passed up. Uh, Rudy Gay's been incremental for this team off the bench. Uh, Patty Mills as well. Now Aldridge, we know, has been in a rough place where he just he, 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 he couldn't figure, figure it figured out with the, with the starting. <laughs> group then he got hurt you know he's had some yeah. some different type of injuries and lately he's he was bothered this past week with a stomach illness and so coach pop has brought him off the game off the bench for a few games and it looks like that's going to be his role for now i mean unless there's any more positivity in his production when he plays it looks like he's pretty much coming off the bench at this point and then we know trey lyles you know he's pretty when everyone's healthy trey lyles is not part of this rotation he's he's kind of sitting there um waiting as in, in that third third group of bench players but we saw that with players hurt or you know on mm-hmm. the injured list like we did this past two weeks trey lyles ended up getting getting a lot of mini. Which we're going to discuss a little bit. So here's here's what I want to ask you, ask you Stephen. Would you rank? Uh, what what are your rankings in terms of the chance, the the high, you know high percentage that a player gets moved, and low and the, to the lowest percentage that any of these these five veterans get moved? So if you could give us your list.
1: Okay, well, before I do that, let me just say, Paul, I've had a lot of tweets from Spurs fans uh, you know, in my mentions. They're saying, like, oh, the Spurs are going to do this. They should do this. Oh, they're really get, trying to get rid of Patty Mills, blah, blah, blah. I want, and I'm, sure, and you know this, I know this, but I just want to make it clear, the NBA is a business. You take hearing calls and taking calls is all part of it. It does not mean the Spurs are going to make a move. It does not mean that Patty Mills is on the trade block. It's just a normal thing that every team does and and it's not mean anything so I just want to make that very clear number one to answer your question uh, first of all I do play uh, NBA 2k and I know you do as well um I do have LaMarcus coming off the bench in NBA 2K, and it's working fabulously. But um, to answer your question, I think the most likely to be traded is LaMarcus Alridge because of everything you had mentioned. He's having a hard time finding his groove, and he has had a hard time finding his groove, not just this season, Paul, but... Seasons past, There was rumors, obviously, and you know this, he wanted to be traded before Pop had a talk with him. You know, all these types of... He's, he's in trade rumors every year since he's been in San Antonio. But this season feels different, and this is why. Because he has not been able to find his footing. Yes, I understand he's had the stomach illness recently. He was hurt with the uh, sore hip. Mm-hmm. But even before that, he just never really found his footing. Um, I mean, you watch these guys very carefully as much as I do. And LaMarcus does not seem the type of player that wants to change. And what I mean by that is pull up from three, you know, be that guy on the perimeter, he wants to stick in the post, he wants to get the ball down low, like the traditional power forward does back in the day. And he's a veteran, he's not going to want to change his style uh, at this time in his career. With that being said, him moving to the bench, I think, has been beneficial to the Spurs and to the bench unit um, because Jakob Pernol in the starting lineup has been a phenomenal change. Um, He's played amazing. He's gone up to the boards. He's been aggressive on both ends of the court. That's something I think Pop has been looking for since probably David Robinson retired, um, you know, comparing him to David Robinson, eh, maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I mean, Jakob is a very decent young center that I think has a very big future in San Antonio and hence why he got his uh, contract over over the off season. So I think LaMarcus is most likely the one to watch to be traded. Um, Trey Lyle is probably number two only because he had a starting role a year ago, um, and then he, and then obviously things kind of went south in the bubble for him. And then this season he's been reduced to garbage time minutes. Uh, and obviously not recently because of the holes in the uh, team right now because of COVID protocol and things like that. But I think those two are the most likely. I think the least likely is DeMar. Uh, I say that because. I've said this multiple times to you and to everybody listening that I think DeMar has a future in San Antonio beyond this season because I think he fits very well with this young group that the Spurs are building right now. I mean, you notice he plays well with the John T. Murray. He plays well with Keldon Johnson and Jakob and all the starting unit. He plays very well with them. I think they complement his game very nicely. He doesn't have to always be the one. um As we saw when he was in Toronto, him and Kyle Lowry doing all, most of the heavy lifting offensively. He This time, DeRozan has those key pieces around him. So, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to stay. I know he it's it's going to be up to him when this season is over, unless the Spurs can get him an extension or something along those lines. But we'll see what happens with that. Patty Mills, I would be very, very, very surprised if he left because um, Pop has said multiple times that Patty is the backbone of this team uh, in the locker room, that he's a very uh, vocal figure in the locker room. He's seen as the quote-unquote leader in the locker room. So I don't think the Spurs will want to get rid of that uh kind of uh, morale in the locker room in the middle of the season and particularly when you're fighting for a playoff spot. And the same thing with Rudy Gay. Rudy's uh, had some struggles here and there this season, but more than recently, he has picked it up um, obviously COVID he, we haven't seen him but I mean recently he has picked it up so I think to answer your question my main two to watch would be LaMarcus and Trey Lyles but as you noted the 50% trade kicker will make it a lot harder for him to be traded I think so that's why I feel he may not be traded at all only because of that reason
0: yeah, I'm with you. My, my list is pretty much the same. You know, it's, it's it's the most likely players, I think, in order are Aldridge, then Trey Lyles, then Rudy Gay, then, Pat, then mm-hmm. Mills, then DeRozan. And I really feel like it would I would be shocked if Gay, Mills, and, and DeRozan, either of those players got moved this season only because of, you know, like we mentioned, you know, they're, they're pretty much part of this team. They're part of the core. Now, Rudy's the interesting case uh, for me just because of how, how well um, Lucas Simonich has been playing lately uh, with, with Rudy out. He's gotten a lot of pl- uh, minutes there at the four. And so I, it, the only way I could see Rudy getting moved is if the team really felt like, hey, let's just give Luka these minutes now let's see what he can do for the second half of the season that would be the only case where uh-huh. i see them moving rudy but again I, I agree with you i just don't think they're going to move any of those three players because they're so integral uh, uh, to to the team now trey lyle's you know his, his salary is more movable 5.5 million just depends on, on which team has more interest in him and, and what 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 um you know those teams will be willing to give up for him because the spurs still want to keep Lyles as an option you know in case somebody gets hurt or somebody has to sit out a game or two so so that's why you know just keeping Lyles for the rest of the season makes sense now is the reason why i don't see you know even though i think he's the most likely to be traded mm-hmm. uh in terms of the the, the 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 capability. Um, I just don't see it, just because of the financial part of it. The, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, Stephen, his his salary is a lot of money to move at twenty four million. You know, fifteen percent trade kicker, like we mentioned there, and and the teams that, that 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 it's just hard to make a deal like that to get because mo- then the Spurs are having to take back multiple players unless it's into a trade exception. But also the fact that it was like. Aldridge just isn't playing well. So how do you, how, how do other teams want him? You know, they, they can maybe say, yeah, based on his past work and past seasons, but they can't show that right now. There's no tape of that because, you know, he just hasn't, he just hasn't, um, had those kind of performances anymore. Like, you know, the, the Marcus I know he's probably, he's maybe had like one or two, uh, 20 point games this season. And then also just the, 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 issues on defense, which is why he's coming off the bench now. It's the fact that their defense just suffers so much when he's on the floor. And so they have to have Jakob in their starting and, and, and even like DeMar's numbers just got so much better, uh, when Lamarcus is off the floor. So that's the other part too is that, you know, as, in terms of um uh, what 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 other teams scouts can see from him? It's just not showing right now, and where he's at at at, at this part of his career. So now he, this is a new interesting question because this is something that just made me think about um you know what happened with recently with Blake Griffin. And here's the thing, is we just saw that Blake Griffin on the on the Pistons. You know he had two years left on his deal, and the Pistons really at this point they could not find a, a deal to move him. Nobody's going to take his contract at, at the at the amount it was, and it was even more than LaMarcus. So what they ended up doing was they they actually just just um b- bought out Blake Griffin's contract where he had to give back some money, and basically he's now a free agent. And the reporting is that he's in the south of the Brooklyn Nets. So I do wonder if Lamarcus is not happy with this bench role. You know, before the the I know that the, if if the Spurs can't find a trade, um, you know, team for, on the twenty fifth that they are trying to move him. Uh, and again, this is all if we're not saying that this is happening. This is just right. all if if scenarios. So let's just say that up until the twenty fifth of March, if this, that's the trade deadline, if the Spurs can't find a, a, a taker for LaMarcus, let's just say they are trying to move him. Well, then I do wonder if before that, I, I couldn't find the, the new date for the, um, the the buyout deadline. But anyway, uh, there is that that, cer- that certain period after after the, the trade deadline when a player can be bought out and then sign with the playoff team. So I do wonder if LaMarcus is not happy, you know, with his role as, as coming off the bench, and, and maybe you know the team just also maybe just doesn't want to give those minutes because it, it's affecting him. Um, uh, how Rudy plays, and, and uh, maybe Devin Vassell and some of the other players. I do wonder if maybe they'd explore the buyout option with with Lamarcus, uh, because basically you'd only be buying out part of his part his deal for this season, which is at twenty four million. And maybe he maybe he'd give some of that money back just a little bit, just because it would l- allow him to become a free agent and look for different teams elsewhere. And the reason why I say that is because we have seen the Spurs do this with their veterans in the past. You know, the most notable two players uh, in recent years are were Paul Gasol. You know, when Pal was coming into uh, one of those seasons where he was like hampered by injuries, and then we just saw that you know he pretty much lost his place in the rotation. Uh-huh. Well then the Spurs, you know, bought him out so he could go sign with the team where he could play more, uh, considering that he wasn't in, in, in you know at the veteran stage of his career. And then this was also the case last year with Damari Carroll, where you know they signed Carroll in the offseason. They could never get him into the rotation because they liked the group that they, they had. There was just no minutes for him. So, so even though you know Carroll didn't make a big fuss out of it, you know, in terms of publicly in the media or anything like that, but um you know they they wanted him to, to be able to play, and so so they they you know basically they bought him out as well, and then he was able to go sign with the Houston Rockets and he finished out the season that way. So what do you think about that chance, Stephen, if maybe they look at the buyout route if they can't find a a trade team for Lamarcus Aldridge
1: well the two instances you notice there uh or you noted I should say Paul is the first of all the Damari Carroll situation and Lamarcus's are a little bit different because Damari Carroll didn't play at all (laughs) I mean Mm -hmm. Lamarcus is playing but the difference is with Damari Carroll and Paul Gasol and correct me if I'm wrong here but I think the Spurs are still paying Paul Gasol are they not
0: Yeah, they still have some money for this year. That's because they stretched his deal, I believe. Um, Yeah. yeah, Okay, so,
1: yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It
0: was, uh, it's Carroll they're still paying right now.
1: Oh, Carroll. Okay. I knew it was one. I wasn't sure which one. Okay, so, yeah. So I'm not sure if the Spurs would go that route, mainly because would you want to still continue playing, continue paying a player that's really not on your team anymore? But of course, they're still doing that with Demari Carroll. But I will say this. and I know we're going to talk about the guys at the end of the bench here in just a moment, so I'll touch on it right now, which is I think it's going to depend on how Luca develops because I think if Luca can develop at a faster rate and use the games that he has been playing these past couple years as that experience, I think Pop has even mentioned he's happy with how he's coming along. I'm wondering if maybe... That could be a reason why he's bought out. Now, of course, you know as well as I do, LaMarcus has vocally said um, in the past that he fell out of place and things like that in San Antonio. And I will say this, I will go on the record, I will throw myself at the mercy of Spurs Twitter here, I will say this, I've been a huge advocate for LaMarcus Allridge when he first arrived in San Antonio. Um, even to my fellow friend, UIW alum, and uh, current Spurs writer, um, Victoria Villarreal, I've talked to her about this, and she's she's not the biggest Lamarcus fan I am, so we've had a little discussion about that. But now I see everyone's point, which is he just does not fit. So I'm thinking if Pop and the higher ups see that and can see, continue to see he's unhappy in this um bench role which he did note, I believe it was the game in OKC where he came off the bench for the first time since like it was his rookie season. Yeah. And he had said, he didn't really come out and say he didn't like it, but he just said it's something, not something he's used to and he needs to get used to it. And again, that's going back to what I said earlier of him adapting and things like that, so I'm not really sure if that's something he wants to do. So it's going to depend on on a lot of thing, moving parts. I could I could see it happening, them buying him out. I'm just not sure how likely it is. I think it's just going to depend on a bunch of moving factors. But it would surprise me, it would surprise me if he stayed past March 25th. But then again, it also would not surprise me because depending if he plays well off the bench, I could see Pop just keeping him in that role for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, so again, you know, just again, we're not reporting that, that he's unhappy with his bench role. We're just saying these right, these are the right. three these are the three routes that the Spurs can take with Lamarcus to finish out this year. It's one, like Stephen mentioned, he he ends up liking his bench role, or maybe he even gets back into the starting lineup and he finishes out the season with the team. That's that's option one. Option two, he gets traded uh, by by March twenty fifth, or option three, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't like his role in the, and and maybe he wants to go play elsewhere mm-hmm. he gets more of an opportunity. Well, then the Spurs could look at maybe uh, buying him out if that's if that's a, a route that they want to go down. And, and um, as far as the financial part of it, you know, because he's in the last year of his deal and. And whereas Carroll and also like Blake Griffin that we just mentioned earlier, and I think even Powell, they had more, more years left on their deal. That's why, that's why teams decided to stretch them out. And so their, their money carried over. So LaMarcus, you know, they could just, you know, uh, Buy buy out the, the the remaining part of his deal for this season, and, and as long as they don't stretch it that amount, then it doesn't have to go onto their books and, and, and you and you um, you know in the future. So again, th- those are just the three things that we want to explore again, just because you know the, those rumors did come out by Sharani. and it, it really it's nothing new. It's again, it's just the, the same rumors that the Spurs are taking calls on their veteran players, but there's no there's no activity that they're actually engaging and and maybe looking to move um, one of their players. But again, we have we basically have um uh, that you and I are recording this even 19 days now to the trade deadline, so we'll kind of monitor and see what happens with the Spurs. All right, so our last topic here is I want to I want to discuss even the, the bench step that some of these players that usually don't get minutes or um, have been providing for the Spurs and, and kind of showing that, you know, in the case that the team gets impacted again uh, uh, by COVID or somebody gets hurt or somebody, get, you know, has to sit out multiple games. Well, then they know that they can rely on some of these players to give them um, good production during these minutes that they get. And, and these are three players, um, Lukas, uh, Shamanich, um, Trey Lyles, and Keita bates job. And so the stats I'm going to provide first are for their last five games. And then I'll let you know, uh, Spurs cast listeners, if these are stats that some, some other stats are going to be for the whole season because, you know, it's very limited data. For 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 these players so again most of these stats are for the last five games so let's start off with luca first um in these last five games that he's gotten uh, more, more minutes where he started one game and then he's come off the bench for the rest, he's averaging seven points, uh, grabbing 5.6 rebounds. Uh, he's shooting 35% from three on 3.4 attempts in 17.7 minutes. Coach Pop mentioned how since coming back from the bubble in Orlando, Lucas has just been way more confident of a player, especially mm-hmm. with his catch-and-shoot ability. On defense, we're starting to see a little bit of his versatility where he's had matchups of Lou Dort as his primary matchup, a wing uh, Josh Hart and Tyler Johnson as guards that he's had a guard. Then we saw Julius Randle over the Knicks he had to defend. And then last, lastly, Mike Muscal of the Thunder. So we've seen him basically pretty much go through almost all the different positions and show that he's a versatile, quick defender who moves laterally pretty well. Uh, as far as some, some other stats that stick out, are, um, his he actually leads the whole, and for the whole season. Again, it's, it's only 99 total minutes for Luca. He leads the team in defensive field goal percentage at 37.5%. And he's showing to become a, a really good uh, defensive rebounder when, when he's grabbing um, eight defensive rebounds per 36 minutes, which, which is also a team high. So, so um, Stephen, uh, what do you want to say about Luca? and what you've seen from him this past uh, two weeks
1: yeah Luca um, I well, first of all I agree with pop I agree with what you everything you had said which is since the bubble and the G-league have really really helped him I mean I believe when he was drafted you know those we, we have those draft analysts on draft night uh, some of them were comparing him to a, a clay Thompson type of player both offensively because of his three-point shooting abilities and his defensive abilities I uh, didn't really see that honestly Um in the first season but seeing him now i see uh glimpses of that and i mean just look at the you mentioned the players you know door hard johnson randall Mescala. um we see him shooting 35 percent from three uh he is uh, averaging seven seven points 5.6 rebounds i mean obviously in limited minutes 17 minutes but i mean he he's playing very well. I mean, I am, was pleasantly surprised. His his shot looks very pure, very good. He's looking more confident, um, especially going up against some of these d- players like Dorr and Randall. These are not rookies. These are these are very well established players. And um, yeah, so I mean, I think that he's played very very well. And like that's why I said earlier, depending on how Luca develops. Does that mean Pop would trade away one of his veterans? Who knows? We don't know. But I mean, I think regardless of what happens this season trade-wise or veteran-wise with the Spurs, I think Luca will more than likely, if he does go back to the G League, which I think might happen, and, it sh- and part of me thinks it should happen because it's been good for his development, but I do believe if he does go back, this probably will be his last season in the G League, I think
0: yeah for sure you know and and um you know two things that, that are a few things that really stuck out to me were uh you mentioned there steven if you watch that that tape of him guarding julius Randle, you'll notice that randall really had to take a lot of like fading away shots he couldn't get yeah. his positioning against luca one of the things that's really surprised me and just that i've really been watching is just his defense you know when i plug in my numbers after each game he's always just pop uh, his stats are always just like you know lighting up the, the board there against compared to his other um, fellow spurs uh teammates and i'm like really you know defensively these numbers are just popping up and i'm like wow okay and then you watch the tape though and and you really watch him and just focus on him and you see that his lateral quickness how, how well he can just move at players and you know he's not good about you know getting blocks or like you know really like you know having a commanding presence at the rim but he's good about staying with his defender and that's a good skill to have you know and that's a, that's a very hard skill to have in the NBA and so for the fact that he's able to do that uh pretty well um you know early on so far you know in, in such limited minutes is, is a really good sign for his future and his uh his defensive potential you know and that that's that's what's going to get him minutes down the road is if you're a good defensive player and you put a lot of if you put a lot, a lot of energy into that end of the floor you're gonna get pops. You're gonna get pops. Some um, respect. You're gonna get some minutes there. Uh, you know, and you're and then like you mentioned, Steve, one of the things that's really been um, uh, impressive is is just that the, the fluidity with which which he releases his jump shot on his three point shot. It's just so like it's just so um you know uh, how do you say it? just like it's just like a, a really quick shot. Mm-hmm. And then also his shot profile is really good. is the fact is like he's either gonna go inside and take shots near the paint or he's gonna shoot threes. He's not he's not even wasting his time with mid range. So again, that's a good thing for his future. Now now like you mentioned, you know that'll be something to watch with the, with some of the veteran players who play at the four. Is do they get moved? A Trey Lyles, maybe a Rudy Gay, uh, so that they can open up minutes for Luka now, or do they just wait and keep those players so that next year maybe that can become uh, Luka's minutes? So I really feel like uh, uh, Rudy definitely, it, it looks like uh, more likely that he probably wouldn't come back because they want to give uh, next year, I'm talking about the offseason, uh, Rudy wouldn't come back because they want to give Luka those primary minutes at the four, uh, whether it's starting or coming off the bench. Um, another player we, we mentioned here who's been playing well since everyone, uh, since multiple players have been out is, is Trey Lyles. Uh, you know, in the la- again, these are from the last five games only. He's averaging twelve points. 6.8 rebounds, 1 steal, 46% shooting from 3 on 4.4 attempts in 29 minutes. So he's getting a lot of minutes right now. And, you know, he's pretty much regarding your 4s, you know, Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, etc., all the players that, that play the 4 for the different teams, um, Darius Basley. Now, nothing's really stuck stuck out to me from Trey. It's just that I really feel like he's playing well again to, to the point where he was a starting 4 last year. He was, he's just playing really well and getting back to that level that he was at last year. What have you thought about Trey lately?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's playing what we saw a season ago when he was a starter. He's pulling up from three well. He's playing he's he's hitting that three with confidence, 46%. Um he's averaging 12.2, 12.2 points per game. That's hard to say. Um and I mean, overall, I think it's he's played very, very well. Like I have no complaints um about that. I I did that my only thing I would say is that I we're seeing what why Pop had him as a starter last season. Because of what he is doing right now, uh, obviously with guys like Jakob and you know Kelvin Johnson emerging and guys like that, his minutes have been reduced. But these numbers, Paul, are a reason to keep him around um, past the trade deadline, past the buyout date, and all that. Because who knows uh, what could happen in the playoffs or down or even in the second half of the season down the line.
0: Yeah, for sure, and so yeah, yeah, just like like you mentioned there, that, that's a good reason to, to keep him in case you know something happens where where they need to have an extra player. But then also you know maybe he, he's become you know other teams have said, hey, look at Trey Lyles. What if we get him? If we try to trade for him, uh, you know, and and then maybe make him a part of the rotation. So there's also that you know that thing as well. So so again, we'll see what happens with Lyles, and he's been playing well um lately these last five games, uh, and then also um you know the last player that's been playing well and uh, is Key debates job um you know he he's been coming off the bench here. Uh, for the team, and he's averaging 5.8 points in the last five games, 3.2 rebounds, one assist, one steal, 50% shooting on three from two to on two attempts per game in 16 minutes. Uh, so, some things that really stick out to me in terms of um some stat stats is, is the steals numbers. You know, he's averaging two steals per 36 minutes, which which if that was for a full season, that would be only behind Devin Vassell. Uh, and he's also his numbers and deflections are actually pretty well. So so again, that shows you that his off ball activity is pretty well. And then I've also seen Pop go to him on certain matchups. Um, you know, he's really put him on players like Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and, and R.J. Barrett is, is some some recent players and so uh you know just shows that that, that Bates Diop has been a really good uh, defensive option there for the Spurs uh, playing more that 3-4 kind of role what have you thought about his play
1: okay I'll be 100% completely honest here I did I forgot he was on the team um for a while because he just wasn't playing I was like oh yeah we have this guy here that I completely forgot existed for a minute but I mean <laughs> in, in the time I've seen Bates Diop play Um, he's done well for himself. I mean, uh, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong. He used to be in Denver, correct?
0: Yeah. Denver, Minnesota. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I remember seeing him. I was like, oh yeah, he's on the Spurs now. So, I mean, yeah. So whenever he, um, was in the, in Denver, Minnesota, um, I remember seeing him and he, he would play well against the Spurs. Now he's on the Spurs and obviously he's not getting the minutes that he got in the, with those two teams, but I mean, he is playing well for in the time that he has gotten. Um, defensively, I will notice, uh, I will note two steals. Um, and then, um, he, you said it yourself. He he, uh, matched up against Zion. I mean, Zion of all people. Uh Mark, uh, uh, I was about to say Mark Ingram, but that's football. Brandon Ingram, and um, you know, so, I mean, yes, yeah, so, I mean, he's done well for himself. I will say. Now, does this mean he's going to get an increased role with the team? Probably not, but I mean, it's always good to have something like that in your back pocket in case you need it, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. And that that was my last question, Stephen, was that, you know, a, a, as well as all three of these players were playing Lucas Shamanich, um, uh, Trey Lyles, and Kate uh, bates Job, you don't think that, I, I, and I don't think this, uh, you don't think that they're going to replace any of those players who are out right now, right? Like um, like Rudy, um, uh, Derek White, or uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Devin Vassell. You don't think they're going to take in their minutes, right? Pretty much.
1: I would be surprised. I mean, unless Rudy just completely stinks the bed when he comes back or, you know, uh, Trey Lyles just happens to, you know, get hurt, unfortunately, or something like that, then maybe. But I mean, I don't see it happening because Pop needs that veteran presence on the floor in crunch time and things like that. I just don't see that happening now.
0: Yeah, so you know, as well as these players were playing, you know, these last two weeks, and they, they really stepped up for the team. Uh, you know, I think that pops in to go back to his normal rotation, his ten man rotation uh, that he that he had set in before the team was impacted by COVID. Uh, obviously, you know, something to watch though is you know how do these players who had COVID, you know, how, how are they, how how do they play when they come back? Do they get back to their to their to, can they get back to their their their, their full uh, levels that they were playing at before? And I think that just this bench depth is something good for their like we mentioned for, for them going forward. The fact that they learned that hey we could put Luca and give him fifteen minutes a night, we could give Trey Lyles twenty minutes. Huh tonight, uh, Bateshop. In case, again, with those, what, I think they have 11 back-to-backs uh, during this next half of the season. So, again, if that schedule the second half gets really grueling or if the team gets impacted by multiple players being out, well, then, they, hey, they have three extra players now that they can go to and, and they know that they're going to get them some steady production uh, on different um, areas of the floor in, in Luka, um, Trey, and Keita Bateshop. So, again, that's something to watch is the fact that the Spurs just uh, you know, pretty much discovered here that they got some extra bench depth in the event that, that some players need to be out uh, mm-hmm. for the second half of the year. And then, of course, we could, you know to watch, especially with Trey Lyles uh, uh, for the trade deadline, in case other teams, uh, you know, try to try to trade for him. All right. So before we wrap up, uh, don't forget to visit ProjectSpurs.com uh, Make sure you check out Steven's analysis after each game when, when the games do come back. Uh, Colin Reed, like I mentioned earlier, has his, has his latest piece. Uh, it's, it's a PS um, Project Spurs Audio Extra: The Spurs Trade Trade Deadline Preview Part One. That can be found here in the Spurs Cast Feed, or if not, visit ProjectSpurs.com Uh, uh my, John Diaz, Michael DeLeon, and Jonas Clark uh, uh, re- uh, recorded the Forever Turtles podcast episode nine again you can find that here in the spurs cast feed uh, and then also on projectspurs.com and then lastly uh ben ben bornstein's getting ready for the draft with his latest prospect watch which is which was over isaiah jackson uh thanks again to Stephen for joining me here on the spurs cast and to michael DeLeon for mixing and producing this episode from all of us at project spurs stay safe and have a great day